Valentine's Day, everybody out there. But before I get to that, I gotta give you a little hate before I give you the love. What? If you are not, you even have a NASA sticker on your laptop. There's no excuse here. If you've been paying attention to meme culture or the internet, you would know that there's a there's a gravitational phenomenon going on where you can take a broom. Gravity's a phenomenon, and you, can, and you can gravitational pull where you can take the broom and you can stand up and it'll stand up on its own. And Harrison out there, he lovingly had this in the hallway after we cleaned up and swept. And then you like Mr. Magoo came by and you're just like, oh, look a broom. Yeah, you didn't like like I, there's no sort of unnatural phenomenon going on there. I you didn't know it was an art exhibit. I was just trying to do a little work and get it out of the way I'm, <sighs> I'm i'm sorry right. for the to the nasa meme culture all right well uh yeah so well, happy valentine's day well thank, thank you for what <laughs> happy valentine's day honey and kids at home uh Everybody. sebastian ronan love you guys uh yeah in my uh i might my throat is a little uh scratchy right now i was cheering for the wood brothers last night at the walker uh theater with my wife and everywhere we went restaurants were crowded and busy and uh you couldn't you couldn't hardly find a burger, uh, and uh, and it was just noisy everywhere. But uh, so I'm here, glad to be here, yep. spreading the love with you to our uh, audience. And we apologize for that. No, no sound at the opening. I think uh, I think Harrison may have been distracted trying to fix the broom. And oh. in that interim, he forgot to connect the audio output of this. But uh, wow, I think we're good now. I think we are okay. all set. So you, so Valentine's Day, you get the wife chocolates, cards, all that kind of stuff. No, a, I a don't teddy do bear. that, but we get it for the kids. You, you ever know? buy? It's flower- all about the kids, Dooner. You ever buy flowers from like the, like a roadside guy selling them? Uh, I, I have not. Oh. No, Is, would that be supporting the little guy? I, I don't know. In California, it's uh, really big. That, and they would sell. Uh, they would sell oranges and all that stuff but you know what we gotta do we gotta show some love to our sponsors and all of our listeners out there for tuning in yes this episode is brought to you by redwood logistics a leading logistics platform company whose diverse solutions portfolio includes digital freight brokerage flexible freight management and innovative platform services that simplify the integration of disparate supply chain technology redwood connects its diverse roster of customers to the power of supply chain management technology in the industry's brightest minds for more information, connect with us at Tell em, Chad. RedwoodLogistics.com Yeah. Well, not good news. A lot of times we don't lead with the best news. This one is Northern California-based union carrier to cease operations after a good run. 48 years in existence, longer than we've both been alive. Roughly 130 unionized drivers for Rogers Trucking Company of Slan, Laredo, California, will be looking for new jobs after the company announced it will cease operations after those 48 years in existence. Rogers Trucking, which hauls dry freight, including wine and spirit beverages and food ingredients, filed a WARN Act. Uh, the, uh, the notice with the state in late January, the notice stated the carrier founded in 1972 would shut our operations by April 30th. Oh, yes. Uh, Al- Alan Osofsky, safety and Compliance manager of Rogers Trucking told Freightwaves on Thursday that the high cost of doing business in California, as well as the financial challenges of being a union carrier vying for loads against low cost non union companies, was difficult. Smaller freight companies are having to contend with higher costs of new regulations and potential increases in insurance costs for this year, he told Freightwaves. Mm, this is the second carrier this week, so don't get it confused with uh, Howard Bayer Transportation. Right. They ceased operations after another long run, 69 years of operations in both cases. The trucking company owners, um, they've both decided to shut down and retire, too. They're not like selling and passing it on, and they've both 
kind of blame the regulatory environment, right? It's another California yeah. tough place to operate these days. It is. Uh, and speaking of uh, tough conditions, bankrupt Celadon accuses recovery company of illegally seizing equipment. That's right. A North Carolina towing and repossession company is accused of holding equipment belonging to bankrupt Celadon truck group for ransom. Wow. The complaint alleges that Triangle Recovery Services of Raleigh, North Carolina, falsely advertised itself as a surrender site for equipment belonging to Celadon and also hired other entities to recover equipment belonging to Celadon. You know, I saw their ad on a Facebook group a couple weeks ago and I shared it with uh, Emily and she was like, oh, I want to call them up. And but we, we thought it was a scam. It looked like a scam. It looked pretty, uh, pretty sketchball. And it turns out, lo and behold, it, it was. It but the, was. the Facebook group itself thought it seemed like a big scam, too, or that even getting involved with something like that would get you into some trouble. But do, do you remember the Mel Gibson? It seems Gibson- to have done just that. Do you remember the Mel Gibson movie from the 90s, Ransom? No. Oh. Didn't see it. Oh. Give me back my son. That was that one. <laughs> Oh, just scared Phil walking through the hallway. All right. Well, federal bankruptcy <laughs> judge Karen Owens granted Celadon's attorney's motion for temporary restraining order and preliminary injunction against Triangle on February 12th. Celadon attorneys filed a complaint in U.S. Bankruptcy Court for the District of Delaware on February 6th, claiming that Triangle currently possesses over 50 trucks and trailers that are belonging to Celadon. Once Triangle has possession of the equipment, it holds the vehicle for ransom until Celadon pays the, the, the recover company's fees, according to these court Documents. So that's a strange racket. It is though. strange. It's still bankrupt people's stuff. How do you expect to get it back? <laughs> and they, well, Triangle has since removed these advertisements offering cash rewards for the locations of abandoned Celadon equipment from its website, but the assets have not been returned, according to the complaint. After news broke in December that the Indianapolis based company was ceasing operations immediately, some former drivers abandoned Celadon's equipment across the U.S., as we covered. Enjoying George Stevenson, Triangle's general manager, told Freight Waves on Wednesday that his attorney has advised him not to comment on the lawsuit. Court documents state Celadon also geofenced three trucks in Triangle's possession, which it alleges the repo company is using to pick up Celadon trailers scattered across the mid-Atlantic region. What do you think mm. about all that? Well, uh, I think don't get involved with shady fly-by-night companies that advertise with uh, you know bad graphics on Facebook groups. <laughs> Here's a quick yeah. one we have to get to before we call out to Brandon Bay. Wayfair, this is uh, this touches uh, my turf. Wayfair layoffs 350 workers in Boston, fee, 500, fee 100, 550 globally. The e-commerce furniture company and home goods company, which employs over 6,000. So it's not a huge hit to them, but pretty substantial. And it's one of those things where they had been in heavy growth mode, hiring, 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 hiring. And then like in 2020, the belt, ha- the belt has started... Uh, Tightening the the Reddit group for Boston on there. A lot of people are talking about how they were shocked. They came into work. They had no indication. Managers said nobody told them. And then they were just given that box and told to get out of there. Wayfair spokesperson Susan Freshetti says the company continually looks to increase efficiencies while aligning our teams and the initiatives that drive the greatest impact for our customers. As part of the process, we made some organizational changes that affect approximately 3% of our global workforce we are continuing to hire for the many roles needed to drive our long-term success and continued growth of the business. One thing that's curious is their website still lists hundreds of job openings. But according to the Globe, an IT team in the company's Berlin offices, they, they were laid off Tuesday. Then employees reportedly received a message on Slack around 2 a.m. Thursday that certain internal systems were being locked so that web de- developers could not deploy code or make significant data changes. 
Uh, you know, did you know that Wayfair has been around for 18 years? Yeah, yeah, it's a lot longer than you would think, right? But it was in 2016 yeah. where they really started to ratchet up this growth. But we're coming to that point where, and we hit the freight tech community too. We've we've reported on plenty of layoffs there. Well, Wayfair uh, is is not immune to it either. Um, Boston.com reported that Danny McCarthy, a marketing professor at Emory University, he suggested that the company's aggressive hiring could be a factor. Last fall, he noted that the company's hiring rate was outpacing its sales, always a problem. He said it's not just the headcount growth. It's higher than it's higher than sales growth. It's the gap between them is widening with the former accelerating while the latter is decelerating. Wow. Yeah. Well, no one we get a call out to Brandon Bay. We're Brandon a little bit Bay. behind, too. Five good minutes. Five count of five. Five good minutes. Hey, Brandon. Yeah. Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for joining us on the air. Hey, no, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, uh, Chad, did you know that Brandon Bay of Traffics, he is a Missouri State Bear? And uh, I have to ask, what do you think about them hiring Bobby Petrino? <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, I think it's a great move uh, for wins. I think that uh, given his history uh, personally, that it might not be the best PR move. But at the end of the day, sometimes it's all about wins, right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, he's the guy who left, uh, what, the Atlanta Falcons <laughs> high and dry? <laughs> yeah. Just a quick note in the yeah. lockers. Yeah. He, yep, he, yep. And then he wrecked his motorcycle with his girlfriend down there in Sandville, <laughs> Arkansas, wow. too. That's yeah. one of those things you don't think of when you're having an affair. You know, you're just it's <laughs> like, oh, you think if you put the helmet on, you know, nice ride, but you don't expect to get in the accident. Uh, speaking of education, you do the Nashville Transportation Club, right? What is this education series that you guys are doing that's coming up on March 26th, right? And our own president, George Apanathy, is going to be speaking at it. Right. No, so you know, we're very excited about this opportunity. And um, you know, throughout the year, we're doing four parts of our education series. and um, what that entails is uh, having speaking events, doing tours um, through the Nashville area and just uh, getting people involved um, in, in different industries or maybe people that haven't been to a speaking event and learning and, and, and just trying to grow our network in Nashville and, and, and build relationships. And um, it's been a really cool experience so far. Yeah. So George is going to be there speaking. What would you like to hear from him? You know, I think I think the most exciting thing is just, you know, an industry leader coming, giving us his time, um, you know, talking about the state of the market. Um, obviously, Sonar, uh, there's some cool products, obviously, with FreightWaves. And yeah. just being surrounded by great people. Hey, uh, Christine Fleming, she says, oh, my God, I used to work with Brandon Bay. Crazy. Congratulations. What a reunion through the comments on, on the live stream of this show. Well, oh, nice. I think I'm lagging a little bit. Um, I can't see the live comments, but hey, Miss Fleming, how are you? <laughs> yeah, you, so you're down there in that Nashville market, right? You're close to us, but you're in a completely different time zone. You're in Central. We're out there for Air Cargo 2020. Lovely place. Chad got a cowboy hat at the Country Music Hall of Fame. Uh, what <laughs> no, are people going to get some boots? Too. What, so this is down at uh, where is this? Where, where is what venue is this taking place at? Yeah, so it's taking place. It's called Cabana of Nashville. Um, it, it's kind of right in the heart. I wouldn't say the heart of the city, a little bit south, but, um, you know, it's got some good hotels. It, it's, it's a really neat venue. Um, you know, if the weather's nice, we're going to have garage door. The garage door's open. Um, it, it's just a really unique atmosphere that we were uh, very fortunate to be able to lock down for, for the event. 
Yeah, what's the uh, Brandon? What's the freight market like in Nashville? You know, Nashville is very unique in its own way. Um, you know, there there are a lot of uh, of uh, you know frozen opportunities. There's a lot of uh, uh, shippers here that that, that have uh, you know LTL that multiple picks, multiple drops. Um, I would say that the Nashville market is 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 very 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 similar to. You know, California. You, you never know when it's oh. going to flip. You never know what it's what it's going to be. Um, but you know, Nashville is one of my favorite markets, and that's one of the reasons that I chose to move here. Wow. So, is it a difficult operating environment like California's is? Is that part of the comparison? No, I would say just just you know the the capacity. Um, oh. You know, and and just because of of the amount of freight that, that does come out of Nashville, you know, it's kind of a hidden gem in my opinion. Um, you know, you've got a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of industry here, um, a lot of food shippers, um, and and capacity can be very tough at times. Hey, Cody Lanham, he also says Nashville Transportation Club. Whoop, <laughs> good stuff. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So Cody Cody supported us. Um, he's uh, part of Rumor Riot, which uh, is actually kind of helping uh, you know redo some of our website stuff. So Cody's been a big supporter of us since we started this thing, and um, I'm, I'm glad you tuned in, Cody. <laughs> yeah, nice. He'll get that message in just a minute. Uh, so how do people go in and get tickets to this? I think it's, what, $35 per ticket. How do people go reach out, learn more, and learn more about traffics? Right. So, um, actually, we set it up on our website when this call started to, um, if you go to our webpage and go to the events, it's going to kind of give a rundown. We're not going to um, have anybody register until March 2nd. That'll go live. Um, there is limited um, tickets that are going to be sold. So we wanted to make sure that we have everything in place before that happens. Um, $35 a ticket. You're going to get a full meal. Um, obviously get to hear George speak. I know that um, they talked about bringing uh, the sonar reps and just, you know, educating um, all the attendees on, on, on freight waves, the technology. And, um, you know, just go to our website and all the information will be there. All right, go to the website. It's going to be limited availability Mar- March second. They go on sale, but okay. and, and the event is March twenty sixth. Wow, awesome stuff! Hey, and Luke Davis says, "Great to see you, Brandon, representing Nashville." He said he's proud of you, bud. Yeah, Luke Davis is a is a good connection of mine, and 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 he he supported us as well. And um, Luke, I'm glad I'm glad you're listening. Well, Brandon, thanks for calling in and get getting the word out there. It sounds like a great event. We're very close, so we might have to. Go along and see how our sonar sales reps do talking about data at the speed of light. Thank you. Hey, I would I would love for you guys to come down um, and, and check it out live. Appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks, Thanks Brandon. Take it easy. Well, nice nice to hear from Brandon. A lot going on over that way. Uh, if Kevin Hill's out there, they can send him Red Rover, Red Rover, send Kevin Hill right over. Yeah, and Fleming right on you. Look at that. So I guess he, he's an expert in reefer and multi-stop freight, according to Christine Fleming. Oh. By the way, Miss Diva Trucker said, uh, no one hears you. Get your sound right before broadcast. Yes, we apologize for that, Miss Diva Trucker. We're, I hope you can hear us right. now. Yes. Um, I think right at the beginning. Yeah. A little, <laughs> a little issue, a little issue, but we're better. Boom. Boom. Wow, I'm all up. Is yeah. my mic on? You are. Uh, it is on now. There you go. Very good. I said you, I didn't know if you were going to say something stupid when you walked in. No, I'm just I know. Kidding. I had you on Yeah. So uh, you were here to talk about the pricing power index. First, what is up with the pricing power 
Index, it's been a little, uh, it's in the doldrums of the freight year, it right? It's like it a deer in the headlights right now. It is uh, in the doldrums. Oh, the DHL okay. Supply Chain Pricing Power Index, mm-hmm. it's at 25 again this week. It unchanged. The market is just kind of not very volatile whatsoever. You know, volume levels are pretty flat over this time last year. Uh, capacity's loosened up again. And it's just uh, this January, February, you know, first quarter blues, mostly. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, you did have some information. You said uh, the there was one big piece of news here. The uh, what was it that uh, Derek Leathers, Warner CEO, the optimistic tone at the Stiefel Nicholas yes. uh, transportation conference. What went down over there in Miami? So, so basically, it's where all the, the public and larger private carriers come in, uh, you brokerage firms as well, and they, they, they kind of give analyst presentations. Mm. And everyone's calling for a back half recovery in 2020. So the second half of the year, everyone thinks the capacity issues will be solved. Uh, freight volumes be uh, enough to, to, to change the market and get a, a, basically a more balanced market going into the back half of 2020. Um, but you hear that all the time. You know, yeah. trucking companies in the bad times, it's always back half recovery. Yeah. Uh, when times are going good, it's always a new normal. We oh, are right. in a new normal that will last that's, generations. That's what we talked about yeah. pretty much all of 2018. Derek that's Leathers, right. yeah, CEO, yeah. president of Warner, who is yeah. also going to be a speaker at Freight Waves yeah. Live Atlanta. Yeah, but you know what you can do? Keynotes. Hey, yeah, if you, very good. Listen to me here. If you get a passport, right? If you get a yeah. passport, put in the promo code DUNER. Right? Oh, <laughs> did you finally get yes, your promo code? Yes, I did finally get my promo code. Okay. So you put in the promo oh, code DUNER. Wow. And maybe you can, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll have a raffle to have someone a uh, chance to be on What the Truck at one of our yeah. live events, right? Yeah. Put your name in there. Send me the receipt. We'll get. We'll see if we can get you on stage. <laughs> I don't know if I can announce that. There might be sweepstakes laws or something. But we'll put something in place. But either way, <laughs> you know. to get passport is awesome. Put in the yes. code name, code word. Not code word. I don't know. Promo code <laughs> DUNER. You'll be, uh, you'll be set. Passport's so, that comprehensive research suite that we have where you get... All this great data that you and your team does with JP, plus you get two tickets to Freight Waves live events, which is a $2,500 value each. Amazing stuff. It, it is amazing. <laughs> we post about 15 to 20 research reports uh, a, a month. Yes. So that's just almost once a day. Almost Jeez. once a day, you're going to get uh, the most in-depth, best research on on any part of the freight market you can imagine. Like what? What, what, are you, what are you researching now, or what did you? What was the last report you released? Uh, so, so basically, on on the passport passport side, you always get trucking, intermodal, ocean. On our side, we did an update of of earnings for the big public brokerages uh, to to put in Q four earnings and see where at we where we are in the cycle. So very, you know, trucking is very cyclical. So. Yeah, where are we in the cycle? You're always, how are gross margins doing? How is top line revenue? That, those type yeah. of things. So you're always you're you're trying to ask questions that you're actually curious about, mm-hmm. and then you learn through the research, which is That's, authentic research, right? It is authentic you know? research. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like you no, don't have yeah, yeah. pre-established conclusions. Or no, anything. no, it's basically almost everything we do. We we don't know the answer, and we're we're searching for the answer. So we just start researching things and. Putting together the data. What was the, the surprising th- thing that you recently learned through some of your research on, on one of the questions you guys were exploring? Yeah, so so basically, we, we published maybe last week or, or the week before detention, and just kind of how much of a problem. We all know it's a problem, you know, but yeah. just just quanti- being able to quantify the the issues, and I think the average dwell time for for trucks is just over three hours. Yeah. Uh, Emily Z- Emily Zink said she enjoyed the uh, coronavirus one. The, the 
coronavirus. Yes, the coronavirus yeah. one that's uh, available on FreightWaves.com. Yes. Right now is very good. It's uh, stats and, and data from import volumes and how coronavirus is affecting the Chinese ports and manufacturing. Uh, we also did uh, on our podcast, Great Quarter Guys. Oh, uh, I thought you going to talk about our other podcast. Well, uh, I was we'll going to say, I enjoyed that. doing that. that with you first. But yeah, well, yeah so what was my Great Quarter Guys? Uh, we had a, a CNBC commentator, Lorianne. Oh, she was on our she was on our show on Monday, right? Yeah, was it Monday or Friday? I don't know. It was one you of them. You stole our guest. It, uh, no, she was on us first. He gave us the guest. Oh, yeah, 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 well, yeah oh, that's right. He let us take her first. Oh, well, that was well, so gentlemanly. Yes. I, I know, right? And here I was I getting turned. But she had some really non, really good non-government data coming out of China uh, about capacity of the ports, and they're running. I mean, maybe fifteen, twenty percent maybe even less on average mm. uh, capacity coming out. There's blank sellings, uh, which are ordered ocean shipments. So the, those goods that should be coming in, in, in on the West Coast especially, are going to be delayed. We're probably going to get bottlenecks in April and May and June uh, at the height of produce season as well. So there's going to be some real opportunities for the DHL Supply Chain Pricing Power Index to <laughs> To do a 10 or 15 point move up. Is that yeah. part of the bullish outlook that we're seeing in the second half? Things are going to build up and then there's going to be a, a rush? Yeah, a rush like a, a critical event, which is yeah. the, the coronavirus. So uh, right now it's going to be slow at yeah. the ports, but at some point, whenever that clears up and all all everything that's on Palace right now starts moving. A lot of people are saying April. They're forecasting uh, April, an April, yeah, yeah, a, a sort of, I don't want to say an artificial peak season, mm-hmm. but a peak season that's created by the movement, movement of goods because they're all just starting to back up as factories shut uh, down and ports exactly. shut down and space just starts to get yeah. at a premium. That's the and natural you have order all those of things. Holiday orders coming in in April, May yeah. to, to get delivered. And there's going to be a lot of jockeying to, to get into the front of the line for, uh, for manufacturing slots in China. 2 p.m. Tuesdays. Look up Great Quarter, guys, on your favorite podcast player of choice. Subscribe to Freightcast. Get every single Freightways podcast. Speaking of podcasts. Yeah, yeah dude. I got yeah. friends only want to talk business. I got expensive because when is expensive. Yeah. I got expensive because when is expensive. Yeah. Yeah. This is Chad rapping. <laughs> yeah, that's some real bling you're wearing. That is, and he used to be on a show. I think I am the grandmaster champion of off the supply chain, right? I think you won three times. We didn't actually have a playoff. But. <laughs> I think three and a half times, right? There's the oh yeah, super secret uh, unaired episode. Of, of that right. show, yes. maybe we'll yes. maybe that we'll, we reference we'll quite often, but have never played. Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll put that on a secret YouTube channel or something. We'll we'll do it like Cicada. What was that? Cicada ninety ninety or what was that? Yeah, thing? It was something like that. Yeah. All right. So put that coffee uh, down. What what do we talk about this week? What do we talk about this week or next week? Well, this week first. This what week what did you and tease? Filling the funnel. Yes. Oh yeah. It's all about filling the funnel. It's the great equalizer in cells. If you have a full funnel. You don't have to be the, the master of any of the other processes. Mm. You don't have to be the best presenter. You don't have to be the best closer. As long as you have a full funnel, you'll do well. Yeah. If you don't, you can be the master of everything else. But, you know, you, you can't close who you don't have to, to close. You can't close what you don't know. You're you know what's, comp, yeah. Chad, know what's really cool, though? So yes. Emily Ricks over here, she does our infographics. And yeah. one of the 
daily infographics we put out. And I think Thursdays, it looks like it's coming out. Wednesdays or Thursdays, mm-hmm. it'll be out. It'll take all of the data. So around Monday, we send out a survey to our audience and to Kevin's mailing list and our own mailing list about whatever the topic's going to be. There's about five questions on there. You can see the results when you take the survey, but then we take it all, we make it look nice, we put it in an infographic, we break it down on the show. So yeah. it's really all a lot about the audience feedback that makes the show, and we've gotten a lot of it. So that is Wednesdays at 1 p.m., right? Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Put that coffee down. This week, we're going to talk about cold calling. Cold calling, man. That's that's a lot. Of, it's a psychological war as much as it is it, anything. It is, and we're, the survey is going to be about the psychological war. Yeah. About how to get how you get pumped up to do cold calls. What is your greatest anxiety about doing cold calls? What are your best deals from cold calls? Hey, and the first time you do it, it's like it's like, you know, when you're fourteen and or like when you're in uh, junior high, you want to call that that girl for the yeah. first time. Ooh, and you're exactly. just you know when you're just you know that feeling when you're like I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't know. You get the nervous yeah. stomach yeah. And, and you don't know what to say. Yeah. A lot of cold Ooh. calls like so that. So do yeah. you do you drink coffee before doing that or does it give you anxiety? Do you do you drink the coffee to get pumped up? I, I I drink coffee no matter what. So, oh. <laughs> but but yeah, I I drink coffee to get pumped up. You know, you, you have to to listen to maybe some ACDC. Yeah, or Ooh. or Guns and Roses. You just or, set me whatever. up. You just set me up. Speaking of both yeah. ACDC and Guns and Roses, our next guest, you're going to see him in the rock chair. The chair, the throne that Axel had to sit on when he broke his foot at the beginning of the uh, Not in This Lifetime tour in 2016. It's mm-hmm. exciting stuff. We are running out of time. This is a guest okay. I have to dial out to. Sure. But if you want to hear more from Kevin, he'll be on radio on Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking, co-hosting with me, 3 to 5 p.m. Saturday. That's Road Dog Trucking, channel 146. The phone lines will be open. I'll show 8888 Road Dog. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. Awesome stuff, All right, man. All right, man. Let's dial out to Brian McNellis. Now, this guy is the... The person on who gave me my first real job in this business, and um, can you read a little of his accolades? <laughs> yeah, he, uh, well, we we're calling, we're contacting him because of the story that broke um, just this like this past week. Apollo Masters, which is a manufacturing plant, it supplies the lacquer used for making master discs of, of vinyl, um, used in making vinyl records. It suffered a fire on Thursday. Hey, and <laughs> in, in California. All right, I think he's on the line. Hey, uh, Brian. Hello. Hey Brian. Hi, Brian. What's going on there, man? I had a little like California like uh, intro theme music for you going on. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> I was just telling my co-host here that you are, I, w- I was your intern at one point in my life, and then uh, also you, you hired me at my first real job. Yeah. 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 Back in the day, <laughs> Cleopatra <laughs> Records. He's at a loss for words. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Brian, like, we are, obviously, we're responding to this uh, disturbing story about the the fire at the manufacturing plant that happened on February 6th. Uh, and, you know, from my my understanding is that there is probably going to be a, a supply chain kind of backstream effect on uh, what's going to be able to happen with, with vinyl. I mean, it's that catastrophic. There's only two places that manufacture um, this kind of lacquer. Well, I, I don't know that that's exactly true. I think okay. that there's two, I think that there's two places that are dedicated to this particular part of the process. Um, at that scale. Um, and, you know, when you've got, you know, only two places that are operating at that scale in that particular part of the supply chain, and one of them goes down, inevitably you're going to have, you know, rerouting is going to take place, right? Um, and I'm still waiting to hear back from 
our various business partners, we, we use a very robust network of partners for vinyl globally, um, including people that are uh, involved in the different stages of vinyl production um, uh, throughout the process, also globally. So we're not really sure. I mean, I, I, I would be very surprised if it had no impact on us. I'm sure that it will, as it will many other people. Um, but I think that the way that our business in particular is routed at the moment, uh, we can cover some of this through some of the plants that we use, actually cut their own lacquers in-house. Um, okay. and, and so, you know, but there is a limited capacity. Um, there is, you know, any of the plants that cut lacquers in-house, there's, there's a couple of issues. One is, you know, it's, it's not their primary business. It's, it's a limited capacity uh, type business, and they're probably pressing a lot of records that they're getting lacquers from third parties on. Um, also, the lacquers are uh, the first step in the process, and then after that they go to um, different companies for plating. So there's a plating company in New Jersey called Mastercraft, which is one of a number of uh, companies that actually do the plating that create the stampers for the machines to actually press the vinyl. So the lacquer is like kind of the first process of, you know, taking the music and turning it into a physical product, right? It's the yeah. first kind of step in the process of converting it to this physical uh, medium, which from which the downstream other uh, components of the pressing is going to uh, uh, be manufactured for the, for the pressing plant. So, so we don't really know. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of panic. I would have thought that by now I would have gotten emails from one or more of our various partners saying, Hey, you know, we're sure that you read the news and here's what it means for you. Um, but that hasn't happened yet. We haven't gotten those emails from partners going like, Hey, everybody panic. You know, your timelines are doubling from 12 weeks to, you know, six months. Hey, yeah. So hey, we're riding it out. Hey, Brian, Vinyl has had, you know, you wrote through a very interesting time in the music industry. You are, you survived like the Napster came about and the, when CDs were at their peak in 1999, the entire way music was delivered and distributed changed. But in the past few years, Vinyl's made a, an incredible comeback from about 9 million in sales in 2006 to about 17 million in, in the past year. How has that growth happened? And has that helped the record labels make a little bit more money and artists as well? Um, you know, the, the numbers, you know, like, look, when you look at the numbers, when you go from like 9 to 17 and the, the business nearly doubles, you go like, wow, that's a lot of business. The, the, the problem is, is that a lot of that business is happening at uh, on low volume records and you know, there's not a lot of money in vinyl at low volume. You have to get kind of North of 3000 units to break even and really to make any significant money on vinyl, you probably want to be, you know, seven to 10,000 units per title because of the fixed cost in, you know, both printing and manufacturing and everything else. Right. So, uh, even though the aggregate numbers are up, it's not really generating a lot of net revenue there's a lot of gross revenue there. I think that the pressing plants are probably making more money than anybody else is. Legitimately, I think that, you know, if, if you own a pressing plant, you're probably literally making more money per unit than anybody else in the supply chain. You're making more than the artists. You're making more than the record label. You're making 
uh, maybe I think that probably the retailers and the pressing plants are making the most money uh, yeah. right? because the retailers are still getting their margin and they've already got their fixed costs for running a business and the plants, it's the primary business. But I think everybody between the pressing plant and the retailers, it's pretty much a wash um, at best. And in some cases a loss, uh, if you've got a record that's doing significant volume, you know, 10,000 units or more, yeah, there's, there's money there, but, but if you eliminated everything else and said, you know, we're just going to make money from vinyl, that's probably a very, um, <laughs> a very <laughs> specialized business. Yeah. yeah. And, and there are, and, and there are, there's a number, there are a number of boutique vinyl houses that only their whole business is, is vinyl, but you have to keep in mind that with those businesses, the majority of their sales is direct to consumer, Right. So we already know that, you know, one of the only two profit centers for vinyl is, is on the retail side, right? So if you're a boutique vinyl house and you're specializing in only doing vinyl, you more or less have to have a direct-to-consumer component. Otherwise, you're not getting your margin from anywhere. So if you look at like Mondo, Waxwork, Enjoy the Ride, um, Nevada is not a vinyl only label, but they do a substantial amount of vinyl as a primary business. If you look at any of these businesses, um, you know, the D to C component is, is a very large part of that. You know, I, well, that that is fascinating in and of itself. That makes a lot of sense, man. We could deep dive into that. I, I think I'm going to ask you a broad question here though, as we're running out of time, like I, I obviously Napster iTunes, you've seen some changes as Dooner was alluding to, like how has Spotify and these streaming services and all this, how have, how has it disrupted your industry? Uh, and how have you uh, made changes to adapt? Well, you know, it's not, it's not Spotify that disrupted the industry. It was Napster. Okay. You know, everything is still recovering from Napster. You know, when you lose the ability to withhold your product, then you with you lose the ability to set fair market pricing, right? Right. So you know when you no longer have the ability to withhold your goods or services uh, to negotiate a fair market price, then inevitably the price reduces to zero. And so you know the true disruption is the entire record industry, the the record, not the music industry. The music industry extends to live concerts and merchandise and all that other kind of stuff. But the record industry, which is the sale of recorded music, has existed now for nearly 20 years off the good faith of people who choose to pay for music in one form or another because there is virtually no requirement to pay for recorded music. There's, there's no requirement to pay for it. And if you steal it or find other means of getting it, there's also no consequences. So the entire record industry, which, I mean, if you look at it glass half full and you look at it and say, well, here's an entire industry that currently exists that has no business model, right? Because you can get its product for free without consequence, right? but people still choose to pay for it, right? So, you know, if you're looking at it glass half full, that says something about, you know, uh, human nature that not ev- just because anybody could get it for free not everybody does yeah wow. 
Amazing stuff, Brian. Um, you know, there's been a lot of consolidation in music. We're kind of seeing that in that our business too, with digital brokerages and everything coming out. Lakeshore Records, Lakeshore Pictures, you guys have been survivors and you've done it by putting out some great records like Stranger Things, Drive, Moonlight, Bojack, Horseman, all kinds of things like that. People who want to look into the records and what you guys offer, how do they, how do they look into that, Brian? Where do they go? Uh, well, Spotify. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's that's the punchline to all this, isn't isn't it? Right? Because no matter what you do, you still kind of have to be there. Just like you had to be in, in iTunes when that came out, regardless if you wanted to be or not. Yeah, it's it's Spotify, it's iTunes. You know, ninety some odd percent of overall revenues are from digital. Uh, you know, Spotify and Apple Music are the top two by market share. Um, you know, DSPs for uh, digital revenues. Um, you know, we're picking up bits and pieces through other parts. You know, vinyl contributes a little, CDs contribute less. Um, you know, there's things like content ID on YouTube where uh, we're able to tag and monetize user-pirated content. Um, you know, but I mean, really, you know, in broad strokes, um, the industry right now is supported from streaming and the top two players are, uh, Spotify and Apple Music. Yeah, same with podcasts, man. Spotify is making a lot of inroads. They're getting exclusives on podcasts. It's really interesting to see how that will change too as they look into more forms of digital content. Brian, we really appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Brian. Th- thank you. Thanks, buddy. Take it easy. Wow, yeah. Wow, that is fascinating <laughs> stuff, isn't it? Yeah, like, you know, there's two like two major lacquer houses, the one in Japan, that one in California. You would think there would be more. I mean, there's one in Toronto that said, well, yeah, this is going to be majorly disruptive. I think they want to say that they're going to step up uh, and everything. Brian McNellis, by the way, senior vice president of uh, senior vice president of music and soundtracks over there at Lakeshore Entertainment and Lakeshore Records. Really appreciate his time. And yeah, like I said, back in the day, back in California, I went out there for my first time. I did an internship, decided to transfer to school, went to college out there and then joined the record label that he was working on. I did a&R, band scouting, put together some records, learned that industry, and uh, saw and saw the tide of Napster. I was there during the beginning of that, and um, man, wow. already then, already by 2001, you're, you're seeing the revenues start to erode, and you were seeing it was just harder to get a job and harder to make a buck in that business. You know, I, as a consumer, I love the accessibility of, of all of the music, but you know, you you miss, it's almost like having all of your books on on a Kindle. Like I miss the physical copy. Yeah, like, I wasn't an album guy, but I I had tapes. I had uh, a hundred bootlegs of the Grateful Dead. I had you know like hundreds of tapes. I loved tapes even mm. more than CDs. Yeah. I, yeah, some some teenagers are bringing that back, man. It's kind of like a like a youthful uh, Gen I would Z thing. Tapes, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, you can't do that. I know. I was in Newbury Comics, and it was like seventeen ninety nine for like back in black on cassette. And I actually took a picture of it and sent it to Brian McNellis, and I was like, "What are you guys trying to pull?" <laughs> I think that's hey. what we just talked about right there with the music industry too, right? Bad oh, bad news that it burned down, but good yeah. news—he said that though that probably won't be that disruptive. Well, to that the, you know, yeah. and also just um, the bad news about streaming and and, and yeah. accessibility. Good anyway. news, good news—you can find uh, all of Lakeshore Records stuff, like the Stranger Things soundtrack on Spotify. Bad news—they're they're gonna make <laughs> like point zero 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 one cent per. Uh, on that. Stream. All right, Jason Donut Guy Gonzalez, you wrote a story about this. You've been, uh, yeah. you used to ink a lot of stuff here at, at uh, I was going to say, 
FedEx, but Freightway. Freightway. <laughs> I'm going all through my journey of jobs in my life. It's like this is your life. It's um, flashing before me. The bright lights. Yeah, Wait. I did, and I and I'm doing a, a more again, and it's uh, and I I got to cover this Jason Donut guy Gonzalez and the latest in that journey. You know, you we are the guys that you know we we caught we caught up with him on I believe it was November eighth. Yeah, and on episode one twenty four, uh, we got to interview him, and we were covering that story, and I think it led to. You know, Craig, Craig's idea. Yeah, well, our, actually, I'll, we will. Let's attribute this to Arlen Stark. It really was him because Arlen's a Minnesota guy. So Arlen had really caught wind of this story. And Arlen That's was right. like, hey, do you guys want to have the donut guy on with the truck? I'm thinking of reaching out to him. It's a good story. I know the area is sort of like how I tend to cover more Boston stuff just because I'm from the area. Uh, well, anyways, the good news here was that Jason Donut Guy Gonzalez, if you followed our stuff, you heard about him. He just received that freshly minted and wrapped Sprinter van from Daimler that was promised him by FreightWave CEO Craig Fuller at FreightWave's Live Chicago. But there's a little bit of bad news. He received yeah. a cease and desist oh. back in uh, back in November, right? And right. As, and as part of that, getting this getting this van on the road, he has to he has to sign some paperwork. He has to jump through some hoops, and he has to get. Some shelving installed, so his business yeah. got almost it got it got almost too big, brought a lot of attention. So good news that your business got attention. Bad news that you just have it's going to be a yeah. little bit tougher now. No you got to deal with regulations. No one you said know, that. Yeah, there are some holes in in our story, I guess. Uh, yeah. So uh, good news. Where's my fail buzzer? <laughs> <laughs> XBO experienced a slight uptick in brokerage volume in the fourth quarter, about 1% after seeing revenue for its brokerage segment down by 14% year over year for 2019. But the bad news is they achieved this efficiency by automating some of their processes and cutting about 20% of the brokerage team. Wow. Yeah. You know, we t- we talked about that with, with Brian, and I always think music's a great parable for what it's happening in our industry because they were one of the first to get automated. They were one of the first to have revenues really taken away by having a product that used to be physical turned digital. And that was when CDs, which were at their peak in 99. That's right. Napster comes along and it opened up the door for all the fa- the file sharing sites. And Napster is almost used as a, as a blanket all term, but peer to peer sharing is really what the big problem was. And, you know, Spotify kind of remedied that. We were talking before the show about how it's just it's easier to do that than than downloading a, a BitTorrent or anything because uh, back then you'd have to take it into iTunes, put it on your phone, whether legal or illegal. You had to bring it onto your phone. That it was a hassle. Now it's just so easy to have a Spotify. Could you I even ima- pay for it. Nine ninety nine. Could you imagine? Um, I know I do too. Could you imagine in ni- in nineteen ninety nine investing in CDs because they were up so high? Like that would oh, like in a record label or like, something. You know, just like yeah, just or like just going like the, what big. they're made out of. The CD a- AOL could have single handedly kept that stock going for a long time. Remember those little AOL CD discs they went everywhere? Oh yeah, yeah. All right, good news. Here's some good news. You probably can't get the coronavirus from a package of computer parts or an inanimate object that's been sent to you from China. Jeez. I don't know if you were concerned about those, even ones that are shipped overnight. But someone was enough on Reddit that Tom's Hardware reached out. Tom's Hardware addressed the concern after a Reddit thread got a lot of traction proposing that very question. According to the article. Even with the amount of uncertainty regarding the coronavirus, there is uh, no reason to hold off on shopping, even if you think you're just getting extra cautious, right? But here's That's a the good ba- question. But here's the bad news. So he says, don't worry about it. Then it says, keep in mind that there's more than one type of coronavirus, <laughs> SARS, MERS, and HCOV. 
for example, which have shown to be able to live on inanimate services, including metal, oh glass, gosh. and plastic. Most of the things you'd be buying from China for as many as nine days. So first they said you can do it overnight, but they said, well, here's the thing. You just got to sanitize your goods for one minute. But yeah, when you bring home, a like when you order something, do you open it up, especially an inanimate object and just start washing it down and sanitizing it? I mean, they're all inanimate objects, but I noticed that like, you... I noticed you've broken out the disinfectant wipes. I, you know, you you, you you can't be too safe. You got to keep this stuff around. <laughs> yeah, you 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 can't be. But you, I also didn't know you had to wipe it down for a minute. I know a minute, like I, a minute. I don't even wash my hands for like a full minute. Oh, even TMI. Man. You you go a full minute washing your oh, hands. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, my I skin gets too dry. Uh, well, I've got some other um, bad news, and I'm gonna because oh. that's because I'm gonna go to good news. That okay. New New York City is. It hit UPS with a $23 million in parking fines in 2019. Mm. FedEx paid the Big Apple $9.8 million in fines as multiple users compete for that limited curb space. The good news is, as eye-popping as the UPS and FedEx fine amounts are, they actually represent declines from 2018 when FedEx paid $14.9 million in parking fines and UPS handed over $33.8 million. Wow. Do you think they... Yeah. So do you think they got that down by parking better or by lobbying? <laughs> I don't I know. They were parking better. I, I like, think maybe they, like the laws got a little looser. They're just kind of like, oh, this is the new norm. I get. I mean, they're getting it because it's a violation, but maybe they should just be able to pay some like blanket waiver. Be like for thirty five, just pay the city thirty five million. And but then it's like then they'll. I don't, they're doing they're it anyway, though. How do you fix that? Ban cars, right? You know, just robot delivery bots. If I had a real good solution, then I'd, you know. I'd probably have a, another job right there, and, and I'm sure New York City can't solve this problem either right now. Yeah. Yeah. Right, here's, some good, here's some good news. Rebecca Black, I don't know if you remember this one, Rebecca Black's viral hit song, Friday, Friday, everybody get down on Friday. Party, Today is Friday. backseat, front seat. Well, you want to feel old? It turned nine. It turned nine this week. So nine. Friday is nine years old. Viral hit. But here's the bad news: she was bullied mercilessly after releasing this song. This is like it, to me. I have so much respect for this this song and this video. Not only is it catchy and fun, but it is like the viral video. It's the the one that a lot of people share. It's one of the first to really really go mainstream with the public. The one like your grandmother might have got a YouTube link to. It introduced so many people to the world but of why, meme culture. Why, why did it go viral? Because to make fun of it, I mean, it went viral on sites like 4chan and Reddit because people were making fun of it. And if you go over there and you go to like YouTube and you look at it, it has like one million upvotes, but three million downvotes, wow. which which has a real world effect. And I think a lot of people don't, you know, Internet celebrity is kind of a newer thing. And a lot of people don't know the impact that this has on people. But she received death threats. She was bullied. She, yes. She ultimately has to be a song about party. I, I know, and people said it's so annoying and it's such an earworm that it's stuck in their head oh. and it's driving them crazy. <laughs> but so she posted on Instagram, though, and uh, she looks beautiful, by the way. She looks she looks lovely. Miss Rebecca Black, she wrote, Nine years ago today, a music video for a song called Friday was uploaded to the internet. Above all things, I just wish I could go back and take my 13-year-old self, who was terribly ashamed of herself and afraid of the world, to my 15-year-old self, who felt like she had nobody to talk to about the depression she faced, to my 17-year-old self, who would get to school only to get food thrown at her and wow. her friends, to my 19-year-old self, who had almost every producer-songwriter tell me they'd never work with me. Hell, to myself a few days ago, who felt disgusting when she looked in the mirror. I'm trying to remind myself more and more that every day is a new opportunity to shift your your reality and light your spirit 
You are not defined by any one choice or thing. Time heals and nothing is finite. It's a process that's never too late to begin. And so here we go. This might be a weird thing to post, but the honesty feels good, if nothing else. Well, God bless you, Rebecca Black. I am glad you put Friday out in the world. I'm sorry that you, uh, I don't know, you faced anything like that. Because I think that yeah. she's a young girl that was just trying to just trying to do something. Kind of a, the poster girl of cyberbullying, it sounds like. I guess too. so, man. Yeah. Lay off people. That, that's, Be nice. You know, that's Valentine's a, Day. That's a, good, that's a good story for you to share. Thank that's, you. Yeah, nice. That was a good one. I've got a somewhat uplifting one, too. The bad news, though, is 40% of the UK population leave their dog home alone for seven to eight hours a day, and 21% believe it is okay to leave their dog home alone for 24 hours or more. Do you ever do that? Yeah, my dog doesn't like to be kennelized, so we use we use a walker uh, or a homesitter that that stays oh. with my dog. Yeah, they, but she, not home alone. She no, she's home alone. Oh, but I mean, you said with a with a oh, the walker comes over for a little. Yeah, little but sometimes period. she stays overnight by herself. Wow. Yeah, she well, she doesn't she she gets much more anxiety going to a kennel. That's why. Oh. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And you well, can't really bring her to someone's house because she'll attack the door. <laughs> yeah, the door. Yeah. Uh, well, the good news is, speaking of Spotify, it has made playlists and a podcast for dogs to listen to in their owner's absence after finding that nearly 74% of UK pet owners play music for their animals. Hmm? Did you know that? Do you ever play music for yeah, your yeah. dog? So oh. I say when I leave my house, I say, Alexa, play Relax My Dog. And she does. There's a wow. You're right on top of this. Yeah. There's that you can. I don't know if I had to like download the skill. It might have been a skill. But if you say Alexa, relax. Just like if you get the skill for the fastest morning in freight, <laughs> the freight waves morning minute. If you put the skill nice freight plug. waves in there, you can also say to your Alexa, Alexa, give my news briefs, and then I will uh, greet you every single morning. Well. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're all into the voice technology. I I don't know. Like I I'm torn by it. Like I don't necessarily like having it in my house, but. My my cell phone is bugging me. I'm talking into a camera right now. I, I spend uh, at least an hour a day being recorded. Um, I'm, I'm carrying tracking devices with me, with my iPad, my computer, my phone, all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, the Alexa, sure. They know where to find you. I thought the commercial was very smug, though. It was like, what would you have done before technology? It was funny, but also smug. Huh. The one during Super Bowl with Ellen DeGeneres, which was yeah. like, where they were like, you had to cool down the house by breaking a window and stuff like that. We could, we did fine before it. Like, I don't know if technology has made me any happier, right? Oh, I know. There's always, you know, with, with technology, it always starts off with like grand hopes of a better future, a utopian thing. Yeah. And then it goes dark, doesn't it? Although, you know what? Without technology, oh, it would be a yeah. lot harder to do shows and stuff like this. And you know what? Without technology, it would be hard to keep our food cool Yeah, and our, our houses Operating and without technology, you couldn't leave comments on FreightWaves.com. Comment section rodeo. Yeah. Uh, can you believe that was me saying? Yeah. I didn't know I could go that high. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I well, I had to. I adjusted the pitch a little bit. Oh, you. did you? Yeah. So, bankrupt. Here's a bankrupt Celadon. It's the article. Bankrupt Celadon accuses recovery company of illegally seizing equipment. This is Dave F. And he says. I saw a Celadon trailer rolling down the highway just three days ago in the upper Midwest. It was well mocked, clean, and looked to be recently washed, pulled by a red tractor. I had to do a double take as it made no sense. If I had been a sold, if it had been a sold asset, removing the decals would seem like a prudent thing to do, right? Smart guy. Yeah. They didn't um, even take it off there, just driving down the road. They didn't care. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, this is from KTMDRTRDR. Mm. Yeah. Uh, if they're, 
If there ever was an industry that needs to be regulated, it's towing, especially the bandits that prey on class eight equipment tows. Oh, wait, I meant recovery. So in Boston, there's this there's this area called Alston, and it's where a lot of college kids move to. And the tow trucks there are awful. They're like relentless. They will stock your moving van and then they will lift it up and then they'll try to get you to pay money to take it down. So one time, uh, you know, you're a college kid, you do weird things like put beds on cinder blocks instead of like um, oh yeah instead of like sure. a, a box spring or just let it be on the floor well i was yeah. carrying the cinder block into the apartment i see that the, the car get picked up uh, the van and i walk over to the guy and i'm holding a cinder block and i'm pissed off that he has the that he's the car up and i think he thought i was gonna smash him with the cinder block and he's like hey hey man if you just give me like a hundred dollars i'll put it down which at the time was a lot of money yeah so did you hey I did, yeah. We need to get the van back. I mean, we had to. And I didn't hit him with the the cinder block. I didn't intend to. I just happened to be holding it at that moment. (laughs) It didn't sound like it did a lot of good, though. Well, Um, Doug B. writes, Imagine that. Huh. A crooked towing company in the U.S. Hopefully the equipment gets released. Yeah. Uh, Well, I get uh, Noble One saying uh, the following in his humble opinion. Hmm. Were they the ones who woke up a truck driver with law enforcement forcing the truck driver to remove all his belongings and vacate the truck right in the middle of the yard? Where, where, uh, is yeah, I mean, he's actually referencing a call that was on Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking. Wow. Yeah, he follows it all. He probably he really does. Super fan. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't right if, now. I can't tell if he likes us or hates us though. Like, is does he hate listen to us and watch us or not? Does this guy like Does Tom? He hate watch? This is guy Tom McCullen, who is definitely a sock account, and I'm not going to name who it is, but I have some suspicions. It's definitely a sock account. They always like to leave like mean comments in the uh, on some of our videos. I'll sniff you out. I'm looking Ooh. for you, Tom. All right, here's Larry. Larry, he is from the article. Arrive fresh. Tar- Arrive fresh. Targeted a reefer business rolled out by Arrive Logistics. Larry writes. Lev, my, hey this is way too funny. This joker just explained what a reefer carrier like myself and many others do already. This joker isn't going to haul any differently than the next man. And his underpaid drivers are going to wait for appointments. And on the docks like the rest of us, there's no difference, Chad. And, and Truth Hurts writes, they're just another dumbass trucking company. Mm, wow. All right. Well, C.H. Rob... <laughs> C.H. Robinson denies claims of deceptive business practice in growers' lawsuit. This is a, a big one back and forth between the growers who were, what, suing C.H. Robinson for over a billion dollars, saying they were taking some kickbacks or something. Yeah. Um, well, here's the gear, the gear jammer 25-8. Pulled many Robinson fresh loads in my day. They figure they can run you dry, steal your data on top of it, and someone else will fill in once you leave. Let me tell you, partner. Business is a tough and you value talent if you want to make it. We are all in it together. No trucking without a good back office. And Ty Moore says, why is C.H. Robinson filing a counterclaim? If these growers had not called them on their bull spit, they would have have said no things and kept (laughs) business. Yeah, well, nothings, I think, but it was sweet nothings. No things and kept business as usual in some cases. They backcharged us, the carriers, for produce. Well, they're filing. I mean, like you can't file a counterclaim without a claim, right? Right. Yeah. So what is he like? How know. are you supposed to? That's like putting the counterclaim before the horse. How, <laughs> how are you supposed to file a counterclaim if you don't have a claim against you? Uh, good questions. Let's uh, let's ask that to Ty Moore. Just uh, write us right here. Right, right. here. Yeah. 
Uh, C Prevost at FreightWaves.com <laughs> or follow him at Chad Prevost. You can follow me at Timothy Dooner. That's D double O N E R. Look me up on LinkedIn. We'd love to connect over there. Thank you all for tuning in today, watching the show. FreightWaves Radio will be this weekend, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Road Dog Trucking Channel 146. I'll be joined by Michelle Halkerson, who bought her own company. She was on FreightWaves Insiders. FreightWaves Insiders is on FreightWaves TV. Download the app. Or subscribe to Freight Waves Insiders on your favorite podcast player of choice. Or subscribe to FreightCast. Get every single Freight Waves podcast, including Kevin Hill's Great Quarter, guys. Including Put That Coffee Down. Shows like On The Spot. Fuller Speed Ahead. That one's with Craig Fuller. And we will have a recorded video of this very session. If you want to share it with your friends and family, mm. comes out Saturday morning. Also, the Freight Market Pulse. The weekend wrap. Yeah. If you haven't caught all of the incredible material that we're constantly putting out and maybe you didn't see it in, something in the newsletter i've got a little wrap for you it comes out sunday morning good little sunday Ooh. morning wrap 10 articles this week shout out to connor the intern who's walking by right now connor's been doing a lot of grunt work we've been moving some desks around down and here shout today. Out john <laughs> bows doing a lot of grunt work with one arm and shout out to everybody who tuned in today to the show i know it's Valentine's Day, you're probably thinking about what to get a loved one. Well, nothing goes better than the gift of truck. And when I say truck, I mean what the truck. So share this with your wife. Share this with your honey. Share this with that girl on the back of your motorcycle. But do it when you stop so you don't get in an accident. Like Bobby out there, allegedly, right? Stay warm out there. What do you think? What's the longest you ever spent at a job? Or the shortest, I mean. Shortest? You ever spent at a job? Two weeks at Taco Bell. Oh. I was with one place, and I would, like, when they say culture fit, like, it literally wasn't. They had a pig on a table, like, 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 but it wasn't like a luau pig. It was like a baby pig. 